Good morning. All right, thank you, thank you. My name is Lanny Johnson, and my wife, Marilyn Johnson, right down in here. We work with, as Pastor Ari shared, with Alpha Omega Institute. We live in Grand Junction, Colorado, but we travel all over the world, mostly Western United States, but all over the world, teaching people like you that you were created by? I didn't hear that. You were created by? That's right, all right? And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm actually going to do a really short commercial. We have a book table back here. Uh, just before you go into the restrooms there, and back there we have a newsletter. It's a, a newsletter we put out every two months. On the outside is one for adults. On the inside is one especially for kids. Although most adults do the kid page first, read information, and then do the puzzles on the back. And then there's one on the outside for the adults. And if you want to know more information about Alpha Omega, there's another brochure back there. And that's the end of my commercial today, all right? Uh, we are glad to be here. Uh, you know, we met Pastor Aaron, well, it was February, I think, wasn't it? Uh, slick, icy road. We came from Beatrice. It was nasty, but we met this man and enjoyed him, and uh, he allowed us to come in to speak to you today. Now, your system is a little bit different than mine, and this is a new changer, so I need to warn you, I'm going to try to go the right direction, and I hope it works, but we're going to try it out, because we're going to be looking at a lot of different slides today. My first program this morning during church is more dealing with the relevance of creation versus evolution. The second half in the Sunday school will be evidential type of stuff. My favorite stuff is the evidential, one of the truth, because that's what led me to understand there had to be a creator. But where do we come from? You know, that is one of the most asked questions of anybody in the world, no matter their belief. Where do they come from? Basically, there's only three different ideas about our origins. Uh, one of them is this, that somebody made the world, and that would be God, the creator. And that's what I believe today. Now, I need to just briefly share here, I did not always believe that. When I went to college, I became an atheist because of evolution. For 20 years, I was an atheistic evolutionary scientist that argued that God didn't even exist. When I really began looking at the evidence, though, I had to change my mind. I could not find any evidence for evolution. If, there, if we did not happen by chance and accident, which evolution teaches, then there's one, only one other alternative, and that, that there is a creator. And because I had known who Jesus and God was from the Bible when I was younger, I knew which way to turn back. So that's where I am today. I believe in God 100%. The other one out there is, whoops, uh, it would, like I say, I need to learn uh, which button is which on this. The other one is the world made itself, and that is through the process of evolution. You need to basically understand evolution teaches there is no God. There's nobody smart that made us. We happen strictly by chance and accident, one mistake on top of another. As I shared, that's what I believed for 20-some years. And then this, the other one option is what my wife believed for a long time. Now, I'm a geologist. My wife has a biology background and secondary education. She believed that God did it using evolution. That's what we call theistic evolution. And that's what she believed for a long time until she really began studying the Bible and what does the Bible say, especially about the days of creation that we're going to look into in just a little bit. Understand, really, there's basically two worldviews out there. This is probably the most prevalent today in our, our uh, United States. It's a humanist worldview, uh, which says man is God and we answer to no one. You know, I used to look out there and say, amazing, the Big Bang made the universe from nothing. The Big Bang says nothing blew up and made everything. Now, is that even logical? But that's what I believed for many, many years, all right? I just accepted what's being taught out there. But if they say it all happened by just a huge cosmic accident and everything got in place, everything. 
Again, that's where I was for a long, long time. The creationist worldview is different, though. It says that God is the creator and we will answer to him. Today, instead of looking at chance and accident, how could this have had lots of time, chances and accident, make it like a tree or an animal? Today, I look at it different. I recognize something in everything I see out there. I recognize design. And whenever we have design, we always, 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 and I'm going to say it again, always have a designer. And we'll look at the, into that a little bit in the next session in Sunday school. And so everything I see today, I actually see a designer. I see the hand of God in everything out there. So I've been on both sides of the fence. Really, it's not the evidence. The evidence is the same for all of us, whether you believe in evolution or whether you believe in creation or creator. We're looking at the same evidence. We're looking at the same rocks. We're looking at the same cells in the body. We're looking at the same DNA. Everything's the same, but it's how we interpret that evidence based on our worldview or what we call bias. And I have been on both sides of the fence there. I used to look into a microscope and say, wow, isn't evolution wonderful? Look at how mindless chance and accident made all that wonderful stuff. Now, that's not what I thought at the time. I thought evolution was the creator at that time. Right? But today, I'm on the other side of the fence. I recognize a powerful creator in everything I see out there. So it's really not the data. It's not the evidence. It's how we interpret that based on our worldview. I need to talk just a little bit about the scientific method because the scientific method is being misused today big time. The scientific method is this. By the way, the scientific method was established years ago by scientists. The Most of the scientists that established the scientific method were creation scientists, that they were studying the things of the world to figure out how God did it, how it made everything out there. And they're the ones that put the whole scientific method into place. The scientific method is basically this. It has to be observable, so you have to be able to observe it in some way, through sight, through sounds, through taste and touch and all that. Then on top of that, it has to be demonstrable. You have to be able to demonstrate it, and then you have to be able to repeat it time and time and time again. That's what the scientific method is all about out there. Uh, but understand, everything we're studying out there, we're studying in the present. We do not have a time machine in science to go back there and zip back in the past and see how it happened. We're studying everything in the present, and what we're seeing in the present, what we're observing in the present, that's where we're getting our ideas, and we extrapolate them back. So everything is in the present out there. Now, evolution, and I'm speaking about, I, I don't even like to use these terms macro and microevolution, but that's uh, a term that the evolutionary world is using. The evolution I'm talking about now is what is called macroevolution. That's one kind of animal changing into another kind of an animal. Now, nobody has ever observed that. It cannot be tested. Nobody's seen it happen, so it's not observable. Uh, we, even if you go into the fossils, uh, we have a book. Uh, we no longer carry it because it's very big and it's out of date now, but it's this thick. And this book in there, it's, uh, as the, the words may be used against them, it's a book in there. From an evolutionary scientist, especially at the, uh, uh, at the museum level, things like that, in that book is quote after quote after quote after quote from evolutionary scientists that will agree the fossil record does not show evolution in any way. So we do not have to see it happening in the present. We do not see it happening in the fossils, right? So it cannot be tested using uh, uh, science. Evolution cannot be tested. It is, in fact, uh, don't take my word for it, I want you to look at what this scientist right here says. Now, this man, he was from uh, Germany. He, was, uh, uh, he actually uh, retired two years ago. This man wrote three different university textbooks on evolution. 
He worked at the Max Planck Institute for Evolution in Germany. And he wrote all these textbooks. But when he retired, now he was free to speak his mind. And I want to show you what he said. He said, a scientific hypothesis should be potentially falsifiable. However, he added, the idea of slow evolution by infinitesimally small inherited variations has been falsified by the findings of paleontology as well as genetic. So he just states right there, they've actually proven evolution wrong using paleontology. That's the study of bones, things like that and uh, genetics. It goes on to say this. So he said, yet its adherents, that's who people who believe in evolution, principally reject any scientific proof against neurodarwinism so that in fact their theory has become a non-falsifiable worldview to which people stick in spite of all the contrary evidence. Scientists continue to support evolution despite the evidence that actually falsified evidently because, and this is the important part, this last part, what he says, because without Darwinism, philosophical materialism has lost its battle against an intelligent origin of the world. Do you understand what he just said? They have to hold on to it because the only other option they have, there has to be a creator, and they don't want that. I know, I was there for 20-some years. This is a science that finally came out, and he's just telling them that that's why they just will not turn to God. They keep believing in this idea of evolution. So understand that evolution is a belief system about the past. Uh, evolution, I'm sorry about that. I'll get this straightened out here in a minute, all right? Evolution comes from the words of men, you were not there. Now when we look at creation... Creation also cannot be used used in scientific method. We cannot put God in a test tube and test it. We cannot do that. And nobody was there at the beginning, only God. However, we do have something, all right, that we have evidence that he is our creator, and that is the word of God, all right? It is also a belief system about the past, but it is based upon the Bible, the word of God. Who knows everything? Who was there? And who tells us what happened? So that's what we have today working with the two worldviews. Chance and accident, no proof for it, or we have the Word of God. And by the way, again, we cannot test it using science, but we can take the two different ideas and actually observe them, what, how best they fit in there. And when I begin doing that, that's when I begin believing in creation. I could not continue the other way. Second Timothy, this is one of my favorite verses. This is one of my foundation verses, by the way. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, For all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Yes, he had 40 different people put it in all different walks of life and everything, and, but he inspired them what to actually say. He allowed them to uh, write it in their own manner and everything to put it down, but he gave them the thoughts, the very thoughts I believe in their head. So the Word of God truly is the Word of God, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. This whole evolution-creation debate revolves around whether you believe in the words of God, who was there, or the words of men. And no matter how qualified, no matter how many PhDs they have behind their name, they were not there. God was, and he gives us that account in the Bible. So this is what we have. Both of them are philosophies, and both must be taken by faith. When I believed in evolution, when I was an atheist, I also believed it all by faith. It was a blind faith, but I still believe it by faith. Today, I believe in God by faith, but I think we have things to back it up, his word, and we could actually observe things around it. Also, when we look at how just God deals in our life, right? that's a good testimony too. This is what one atheist had to say. Um, he wrote this years ago. He said, the law of Christ is incompatible with the law of evolution. And I have to agree with that statement. 
the law of Christ is incompatible with the law of evolution. So we're just going to look at a few of these incompatibilities right at there. You know, the Bible tells us the earth was here before the sun and moon and the star. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was the very first thing out there. It was covered by the deep, formless and void, but it was the first thing out there. And uh, it, he, the God tells us the sun and the moon and the stars did not come along until day number four. Yet evolution has the stars and the sun here before the earth came along. So again, the two ideas do not fit. They are, in fact, incompatible. We look at the oceans before the land. The, the earth was covered by the deep. And then on day number two, God separated the waters above from the waters below, and he put it in, a, 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 in the firmament. So then we had the oceans. The land did not come along until day number three, by the way, on day three of creation. But the, so the oceans were already there. Evolution has the opposite, though. They have the earth was just a dirt, was rock and everything, land, and over long, presses, long periods of time, water then, I don't like to say evolve, but they say then the water finally began to form, and that's where our oceans. So the two ideas do not fit. They are incompatible. The Bible tells us there was light before the sun. On day number one, what did God create? He created light. Was this the light from the sun? No, because the light from the sun doesn't come along till when? Day number four. So what was this light? We believe it was the energy God had to put into the universe for everything to run. Chemical energy, electrical energy, gravity, all those. And Bible tells us that who is the light of the world? Jesus is the light of the world. We believe this was his energy. He was powering the universe right from the very beginning. He had a perfect order in that. The sun doesn't come along until day number four. Yet evolution teaches the sun was there before the light. In fact, it was the source of the light here upon the earth. The Bible tells us land plants were the first life form. God brought the dry ground up out of the ground on day number three of creation. Then he put the plants upon it. So that was on day three. Uh, evolution teaches marine organisms were the first life form. If they lived in the oceans, they came out. And then, he, then the plants evolved to feed the creatures that were coming out of the ocean. The uh, Bible tells us also the land plants were before the sun. And now this is where I had a problem when I became a creationist. Because when I first became a creationist, because I had been taught since I was a child these, how old the earth is. So I wanted to somehow put ages into the Bible. So I went to the gap theory, then the day-age theory. Uh, I'm not going to go into those, don't have time this morning. But the day-age theory says each of these days like a thousand or a million years. But here's where I had a huge problem. I, plants. I know about plants. I have studied about plants. I love plants. And plants have to have something to live. And what is that? Sunlight for photosynthesis. Now here's the problem. If those days were long periods of time, God puts the plants on the earth on day number three, and he doesn't come along until thousand or a million years later with the sun, are those plants going to be able to survive? No. Right, so that's why I one just one of the reasons I believe in a literal uh, twenty-four hour period days just like to do. But the Bible te- or the evolution teaches the sun was here a long time before the plants even evolved out there. The Bible tells us we had marine mammals before land mammals. The marine mammals would have been created with all the sea creatures and all those who flew in the air on day number five. So they were here on day number five. The land mammals would have been created on day number six, the land animals. However, evolution teaches the land mammals here before the marine mammals. Uh, so they have these animals crawling out of the ocean and everything, or the land mammals coming out and then going back to the ocean. 
the reptile, the birds were created on day number five. Again, the land reptiles were not created until day number six, according to the word of God. But yet evolution says the reptiles were here before the birds. You know, one of the ideas that's being promoted big time by National Geographic and Disney Productions is that dinosaurs changed into birds. So if you guys during Thanksgiving have a turkey, many people out there believe you're eating a dinosaur right in there. Now, I wish I had time to do my dinosaur talk. We go into that. But again, notice that these two ideas are exact opposites. They are incompatible. So my wife, that's one of the reasons she had to change her mind is because when she really began looking at the days of creation, they did not fit with her worldview that she had had of evolution. He goes on to say this then. After he says the law of Christ is incompatible with the law of evolution, the two laws are at war with each other. And all you have to do is look out in the world today and understand the worldview of humanism and the worldview of Christianity are in complete conflict. We are in a warfare out there. And you know, there is a warfare for your children, by the way. We talked to a youth evangelist years ago named Mark Cahill. He told us that he travels all around working at college level with students. He, he said what he has noticed, that 75% of the kids that come out of the church, that profess to be Christians, once they go through a secular university, 75% of those kids, those students, will have turned away from God and become atheists, 75%. There are statistics today that today in the church, And many of the churches today, 60% of the youth, junior high and high school level that are sitting in the pews today have already turned away from God, even though they're in church in the pews today. And the number one reason given for both of those is because of evolution. Our worldviews are at conflict out there. And I have to tell you, the evolutionary world is trying to steal your children, trying to turn them away from the Word of God. It happened to me. I was one of those statistics. So does our worldview matter? Do what, does what we believe. Does it have consequences? Well, yes, it does. And I'm going to try to show you history to show you that. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 2, says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Have we seen that in anything throughout the world, throughout history? Well, we have. And so I'm just going to look at some of them. I want to look at this man named Karl Marx. He's called the spiritual leader of the communist system. He's the one who essentially started the communist system through his writings. He says, when Darwin's book came out in 1859, he read it and he exalted. He said, Darwin's book is very important and serves me as the basis for the class struggle in history. Do you know Marx used Darwinian evolution as a foundation for communism and for socialism right in there? The, 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 the survival of the fittest and all this down here. He, was, uh, he used evolution big time. It was part of his foundation. Lenin came along. He was the first murderous communist dictator of the USR. He said this. He said, Darwin put an end to the belief that the animal and vegetable species were created by God. So now we have a system that we can get God out of the picture and we can essentially do what we want if we have enough power. He had a henchman that came along and helped him, Leon Trotsky. He was one of uh, uh, his henchmen that came alongside. He said this, Darwin's idea intoxicated him, and Darwin stood for me like a mighty doorkeeper at the entrance to the temple of the universe. What was their thought foundation? Based on Darwinian evolution, which is a godless belief system out there. That's what they bought in. And they understood that they could use this system Right? to bring their viewpoint in and get rid of God and get rid of those that went against what they believe. 
So they began uh, working on getting rid of anybody that got in the way that did not believe what they did. They began executing them, putting them in death camps and state caused FASA. Four to 7.3 million people were killed during that reign that went against what those two men believed. Not just them, but what they also were teaching out there. The state caused famine. To, to be able to have a system like this, you have to have a powerful police or an army type of system. And as anybody knows, police systems and army systems have to be fed. So what they were doing, they were coming in and stealing 50% of the food products from the farmers to feed the police. or what, It was actually their army back in there. But when a famine came along, now there wasn't enough food, so they came in and took 100%. So the ones that was actually putting the, the food in, in the, to, to the army and everything now had nothing to eat. The rest of the people ended up dying from a state-caused fam- famine. Uh, be all because of a worldview here. Then Stalin came along in 1930. He became an atheist. He was actually going to seminary at one time, and he was thrown out of theological college at the uh, age of 19 because he became very controversial. He became very revolutionary, and this is where it came from, reading Darwin. He says, in order to disabuse, in other words, free from deception or error, the minds of our seminary students, the myth, I want you to get this part right in here, The myth that the world was created in six days, we had to acquaint ourselves with the geological origin and the age of the earth and be able to prove them in argument. We had to familiarize ourselves with Darwin's teaching. So what was his foundation basis again? And do you notice what he's trying to do? He's trying to say this Bible that's out there is just a myth. If we get the age of the earth out of there, then we can show there is no God. And again, because of his thoughts, he understood that evolution provided no basis for conscience or for morality, so he felt free to torture and murder to whatever extent he chose to achieve his communist goals. During his reign, 43 million people were killed. Uh, the Ukraine, again, in the Ukraine, they had the same system during his time where they had a famine. Again, the fam- they came and took all the food away, so it killed a lot of people through starvation. Forty-three million people were killed during his reign. Hitler came along. He formed a lot of his whole uh, ideas, the uh, racial and social policies, on this whole evolutionary idea of the survival of the fittest. See, he believed in what they call races. Now, races, by the way, is an evolutionary term. You will not find this in the Bible. The Bible always talks about nations or tribes of people. But races is an evolutionary term. He believed there was a superior race out there, what he ended up calling the Aryan race. He says, this is the best race out there. And anything to do not fit it within these parameters of the Aryan race, we need to get rid of because we do not want bad genetics coming into the Aryan race and polluting it or anything. And so he had uh, favored races. And by the way, that was the subtitle of Darwin's book. Darwin actually was one that kind of established these, this whole race thing. He said this. He says, I have the right. I have the right to exterminate an inferior race that breed like vermin. He went on to say the purity of the racial blood should be guarded so that the best types of human beings may be preserved and that thus we should render possible a more noble evolution of humanity himself. See, he thought the evolution wasn't working fast enough, so he was going to help along. He was actually just, he, he worshipped evolution, if you really under, uh, study about against uh, uh, survival of the fittest. Before the Holocaust and before the war even began, they have documented he actually ended up wiping out 273,000 273, people, even before the Holocaust. 
A lot of them were the age. Uh, he believed that the older people out there was no, was no longer beneficial to his, uh, the, the monetary uh, society that he was setting up. They were taking money away for the kingdom that he was trying to obtain. So he said the best thing we could do is just get rid of them. He did not want old people around at all. all right? And those who were, they were economic burden, the infirm, those that were uh, dependent on the hospitals and everything to take care of them, he said, again, that's a waste of money, and to get rid of them, the senile. Oh, my goodness gracious, if you misplaced your keys that morning, don't tell anybody, because that could be termed senility, and then he would have you wiped out, taken away. The mentally, now this is a, a word I don't like, but this is still in the literature, the mentally retard. These are people just not quite wired the same. He said, those are really bad genetics. We do not want those coming into our Aryan race, so we're going to get rid of them too. Defective children, that include epileptics. We don't want those genetics. Get rid of them. World War I veterans. These are people that men and women that put their uh, life on the line for what they believed. And I'm not going to go into the argument what they believed at that time. But they had sacrificed their bodies for this. They had lived through it, but many of them were in the hospitals and everything because of amputees and things like that. Again, he says, uh, this is an economic burden, get rid of them. So he had them killed. He had them uh, euthanized. Bedwetters, if you wet the bed, you don't want those genetics, get rid of them. Even if your ears did not fit within the Aryan race, he did not want those genetics, so he had them wiped out. It was all part of what they call euthanasia project of Germany. Now, that, during his reign, It resulted in the murder of 6 million Jews. He believed they were nothing but animals. He did not consider Jewish people as actual people. He thought they were animals, and so he was getting rid of them. And he always used his backbone was uh, the science of eugenics. Uh, Eugenics, I'm going to explain in just a minute. But they believe uh, that during Hitler's reign, 12 million people were killed during the concentration camps and even before the war even began, 12 million people. Mao Zedong, he was of China. He, uh, uh, he regarded Darwin and Huxley. Huxley was Darwin's bulldog. He's the one that took Darwinian uh, ideas and really pushed them forward. Uh, he believed in their, uh, uh, their writings and everything as his favorite authors. And he put into place that during the school system of the Chinese people, from elementary clear through the university, the, writing, the writings of Darwin and Huxley were mandatorily that they had to read them. They are pushed into the school, which kind of scares me because when I look at our school system today, now, guys, I'm not going to get school teachers, don't get me wrong, right? But almost every public school system in the United States, what are the children taught today? They're taught evolution, right? They're taught Darwinian evolution. You cannot bring Christianity in there. Now, there's a lot of teachers that do not put up with it, but there's also teachers that have no choice because they can be fired for that. So it's happening right here today. But they were the favorite Arthurs for this great leap forward. He mandated they be read and, uh, every, for, from all different age groups in there. During his reign, he was responsible for anywhere from 30 to 60 million people. When he began his reign, the first he went in to get rid of was the Christian missionaries. He had to get God out of the picture. And then he began working on the Christians themselves. Today, they tell us today, China is still the largest growing church in the world. But they keep it very, very secret because they are still being prosecuted today. This has never gone away from them. Now, it's not as much as back then, but they're still being prosecuted today because of Darwinian evolution. Pol Pot from Cambodia, uh, he was also uh, uh, led by Stalin and Mao Zedong and their 
their ideas and thoughts of, of on Darwinian evolution. One to three million people were murdered in his country. You say, well, that's not that many when you look at all those. It's not. But understand, Cambodia is a very small country. They figure he wiped anywhere from one-third to one-fourth of the people out of that country again because they had gone against his viewpoint, which was based on Darwinian evolution. Then we look at Sigmund Freud, uh, a psychologist Sigmund Freud. You know, his psychology is still around today, but you need to understand something about Freud. He believed we're nothing but an animal. That's what evolution teaches. He said this. He says, man is not different from or better than the animals. The present development of mankind seems to me to demand no other explanation than that of the animals, which is Darwinian evolution. Then we look at John Dewey. Now, you've probably heard of John Dewey, uh, Don Dewey Decimal System and all that, but he went a lot farther than that. John Dewey was actually the author of the um, Humanist Manifesto. He was the main author in that. And in the Humanist Manifesto, they declared that they did not believe in God, that evolution was the way, and that evolution was actually a religion. Or I should say, the humanism was a religion. It was taken to the courts and deemed a religion. That is a religion that's being taught in most schools today, where the kids and parents even understand it, guys. It's a humanistic re- religion in the hair. He said this. Right, uh, he went on. To say, he said the origin of the species. That's Darwin's book. Introduced a mode of thinking that, in the end, was bound to transform the logic of knowledge and hence the treatment of morals, politics, and religion. And it has. Has this changed the morality? He's one of the almost single-handedly got the Bible and the Word of God thrown out of the public school system. He thought the best way is get in there, get into the public school system, and we can promote our religion. And he has done a very good job with that. Again, not all teachers buy into this. Don't get me wrong. I'm not up here against teachers or anything like that, or even most public schools, guys, all right? But this is what is being taught there today. But once God got thrown out, once prayer got thrown out, has it, have we seen an effect in our school system and in the world, the way our children act? Yes, we have. Big time out there, all right? He said, oh, the origin of species introduced, well, I already went on to that. I'm going to jump on. Today, evolution is taught in almost every public school system in America. Something happened back in 1999. Many of you in here probably remember what it was. It's called the Columbine Killings. It was in Colorado, Columbine, Colorado. Two teenage boys went in, and they ended up killing 13 of their students, uh, or their friends, and a teacher, and then they ended up killing themselves. At that time, that was the worst, worst school shooting in the United States history. Their goal, by the way, was to kill 500. They'd actually also made some bombs and everything, had set up some bombs. Fortunately, these bombs did not go off, so that loss of life that they had established uh, did not, or that they had set out to do, was, it did not meet its end, which is good, all right? But you have to under, ask yourself, well, why? Why on earth would two boys, teenage boys, go in and do this to their friends? Well, because they had a computers at home and everything, they went and looked at the computers and they found their worldview. One boy, and I don't give their names anymore because I don't want to give them any glory whatsoever. One boy wrote this. He says, you know what I love? Now, this is on his computer. Natural selection. Now, whenever you hear that word natural selection, you need to understand that's a key word for evolution. Evolution says it's through natural selection everything changed. I wish I had more time. I can show that natural selection does, actually goes against evolution, but that's a key word for evolution. He says, you know what I love? Natural selection, evolution, it's the best thing that ever happened to Earth. Getting rid of all the stupid and weak organisms. On the day the attack came, uh, he wore a T-shirt that decorated against it natural selection. 
he believed that, that, that his friends were just stupid and weak organism. His, the other boy had a T-shirt that had wrath written across it. But that day that they did it was well planned for them. It was Adolf, an anniversary of Adolf Hitler's birthday, and Adolf Hitler was one of their heroes. So they were actually doing this for the cause of Hitler. Now, I'm not suggesting in here, if you believe in evolution, and some of you might. I'm not here to judge anybody here what you believe. And some of you might believe in evolution. And I'm not saying, okay, because you believe in evolution, that makes you a murderer. I'm not trying to say that. Because remember, I was an evolutionist for 20 years. And during that 20 years, as far as I recall, I never murdered anyone. I never did, okay? Now, in my mind, I probably did, but I never physically murdered anybody. So I'm not trying to point my finger and say, that makes you a murderer, right? But here's what it does. It lays out a foundation. So if you have enough power, enough might, you can do essentially whatever you want because you take all the morality that's based on the Word of God out of the world. That's why it's such a dangerous worldview, and we see its effect many times. By the way, this is my short program. There's more information than that. We just don't have time to go into But I want to look back at eugenics because this is what Hitler was using at the time. Eugenics is an idea that there's social engineers out there that uh, should monitor and manage uh, who should be married. They're smarter than we are, so they, you, you have to go to them essentially say if you're even qualified to be married or to have children. It's up to them, not up to us. It's not our choice. They're the ones that are making this choice. Darwin's cousin, Francis Galton, is the one that actually came up with this term. Um, and so it's a whole campaign using human genetics to breed a superior breed of humanity. That's what Hitler was doing and has continued on. Now, we point back at Hitler what was going on there, and it was bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say anything he was doing was good, but it was bad. But while he was doing that, even before Hitler began doing that, do you know we had already begun this whole process of eugenics here in the United States? We had 33 states before Hitler even began that, 33 states that were going into these state hospitals, what they call the morons or the retarded, and that's their words, by the way. That's a scientific name they have come up with. They were coming in there and forcibly sterilizing these people so they could not have children to pass these so-called bad genetics onto it. So in the United States, it was already going on. Two years ago, three years ago, I was teaching in Nebraska. I had a lady come up. She was a nurse. She said, do you know it's still happening right here in the state of Nebraska? They're actually coming up. Some of these ladies are in these homes and everything. They said, well, they can't take care of children. And because we don't want them to have kids for one reason or another, uh, through rape, things like that, we're going to forcibly sterilize them so they cannot have babies, so they will not be a burden on the state of Nebraska. The state of Nebraska has to do that. In Nebraska right now, it's still happening. Other states are probably the same thing. This is just one the lady shared with me, all right? Euthanetics took root those three, three states. They were trying to get rid of the feeble-minded, the defective from reproducing, centered on. I have to talk about this lady right here. I have a hard time talking about this lady because I believe this lady is one of the most evil women in history, Margaret Sanger. And the reason I say that is because of her worldview and what she established that is still in place today that our government, by the way, is sanctioning and putting money into. And you all know what it is. It's Planned Parenthood. But the reason I say she was a very evil woman is all you have to do is uh, just read some of the things that came out of her mouth, some of the quotes that came out of her mouth. 
Uh, one of the things, uh, she believed that what, uh, that the uh, whole eugenics uh, program was uh, a good tool to be able to remove what she called the dead weight of human waste. One of the things is anybody that was dark-skinned, that was human waste to her. She believed they were lower evolved, and so they wanted to get rid of that because they were having too many babies out there. She goes on to say the purpose of promoting birth control was to create a race of thoroughbreds. That's where Darwin or uh, Hitler came along and used the same whole uh, idea right in here. Here's one that really hit, hits me hard. The most merciful thing that a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Now, I don't know what your definition of evil is, but to me right there, that's a good definition right there of evil. That's not how God sees children at all, is it? Right? So she's really going against the word of God. On blacks, immigrants, indigenous, she said they're human weeds, reckless breeders, spawning. Human beings who never should have been born. And because of what she put into place, right, um, it's, it's been devastating to this country. What's going on? Now, in the court systems in almost every state and at the federal, they've argued back and forth, when does life begin? And they use a term, a scientific term called fetus, uh, which actually means small one. But uh, so is that what God has to say? Well, let's look at Genesis sixteen eleven. It says, and the angel of the Lord, now this is Hagar, that was Sarai's maid before she became Sarah, Abram or Abraham's wife. The angel of the Lord said unto her, behold, thou art with fetus. Is that what the word of God says? No. Now I understand this is a scientific term and everything, all right? But I think we really need to see what does God say? He says this. He says, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, behold, thou art with child. And throughout, when the angels are talking to Mary about this child that was going to be born from her, it's always a child. And I believe right from conception, right from conception, that is a 100% human being. At conception, right, the, that one cell, we start out with one cell. As soon as that cell is fertilized, the DNA in that cell tells the rest of the body how to grow. And it has all the genetics for human beings, right, right from the very beginning. So I believe it is, uh, God always sees it as a child. This is what we look like at 12 weeks old in the womb. Do you know, look up right in there. They would still call this uh, fetus right in here. And in 50 states, 50 states, it's legal to abort that little baby right in there. And they're trying to say that is not yet a human being. I have to disagree 100%. That's not how God would look at it. Abortions in the United States. Now, this, this is a statistic taken by the Planned Parenthood Association themselves. They uh, came out with these statistics in 2005. That actually began Planned Parenthood in 1973. From 1973 to 2005, they recorded that they had performed 48 million plus abortions within their clinic. This is just the clinics within the United States, by the way. They have clinics other places too. That boils down to abortions. That's 1,200,000 abortions per year in these clinics. Abortions per day turns out to be 3,288. 137 per hour, nine abortions every four minutes, and one abortion every 26 seconds in the Planned Parenthood clinics around the United States today. All because they say it's not a human yet. It's nothing but an animal right in here. We redo that. I had to redo my figures because they've accelerated a little bit today. 
it's actually closer to 86.4 million babies killed today. Do you know if you take all the wars the United States has fought in, abortion has killed more life than all our wars we've ever, in fact, it's like 80% more than all the wars that we have ever been in that we have had loss of life in there. 80% more out there. It's just devastating what's going on in this world out here. Now, please, please, if, you, if you're a lady out there, by the way, the ladies are not the only ones that this affects. Not only does it affect the lady, but it affects the child too, doesn't it? But men, it also affects the men that are involved in this too. Now, I'm not out here today trying to point a finger at you and say, if this has happened to you, shame on you. I'm not here to judge you for anybody, uh, for anything, okay? I have to worry about myself and, and the things I have done in my life. But here's the great thing. I know a lot of ladies that I've talked to, and they're still grieving today because of something they ended up doing when they were younger. For one reason or another, they went through this abortion. And it's still grieving them today. My only counsel to them can can be is what you have to do is you have to turn it over to Jesus. Lay it at the foot of Jesus, because our Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in him, he will forgive you of anything. But you've got to do it. You've got to give it to him. And then you can have healing. That's the only way I know. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a redneck, jolly to the Lord, to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I believe that's the only way you can really have peace about it. You have to lay it at the foot of the cross. Now, the first chapters of Genesis uh, get onto a little bit lighter subject. Are the very foundations of the rest of the biblical record. It's from the first 11 chapters, especially from the creation account and all that, where we get everything that we find in the New Testament. We get the gospel for one thing. We get the whole idea of marriage, one man, one woman, what was sin, and how does sin infect our life, evil culture, all of these that are up there on the thing. We get those from the foundation of the Genesis record. Those are the foundation, the basis for the rest of the Bible, especially the New Testament up there. Psalms 11.3 says this, it says, the foundation, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, this is what was going on for many, many years, up to about 50 plus years ago. Creation has uh, been argued for a long time out there. Evolution has been out there for a long time. But there was a war going on. And what was happening is the churches over here, and we're taking pot shots at all the issues that are coming out of the worldview of evolution. And we need to do that. Uh, we need to continue to do that. But while we were doing that, evolution was working on our foundation. They were doing just like the old devil did in the Garden of Eden. Made Eve doubt the word of God. Did God really say this? Then he turned right around and lied to them. That's the whole thing that's still happening today in the, with the, the proponents of evolution. They're trying to wipe out our foundation. Make us believe, did God really say this? Or did God really create? Did God really do it in a little six days? So they begin to work on our foundation. And we were suffering because they were winning the war. But about a little over 50 years ago, a man named Henry Morris and another individual came together and they took a stand for creation. They read that they actually wrote a book called The Genesis Flood, showing that the flood was a literal historical event that happened, and we had scientific evidence to back it up. And that began what we call the creation science movement. Oh, there have been creation scientists out there, but this is when the movement began. And from that, what was happening to theirs, as they were destroying our foundation, we learned something from them. 
We took their same strategy and we turned it around. Today, we know what we have to do is we have to patch up our foundation. We have to show people that you can believe the Word of God. You can believe what Genesis said. You can believe in a literal 24-hour uh, period, six days of creation, just like God puts in His Bible. You can believe that. It fits with the Bible and it fits with what we see in the world. So first of all, we're patching up our foundation and we're still continuing. We have to work on the issues that steep still coming out of the evolutionary world, but at the same time, we're starting to work on their foundation to show what is scientifically and biblically wrong with that. So we've taken it about, and now we're making success. Now, if you read what's going on in the world, you say, well, you guys aren't doing a very good job. Actually, we are. It's a slow process, but little by little, we're cheeking her up. There's many evolutionary science today that have rejected Darwinian evolution. does not necessarily mean they've turned to God as a creator, but they've realized that evolution scientifically doesn't stand up, so they're looking for something else out there. There's a, and this, these are not a, a proponent, a, there's, a, there's a group called the Intelligent Design People. And what they were doing, they were just showing that there had to be a designer. It did not mean they believed in God, okay? But they were trying to get in the school systems and showing that there is a different alternative out there. And they have actually gone out and with a set, put a document out that they've taken the evolutionary scientists at the doctorate level, and these people have signed this, that they no longer believe in Darwinian evolution. And I mean, they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these PhDs out there that have rejected Darwin evolution. They went to the masters, they have a huge list too. So yeah, we are making a slow progress out there. Uh, and it's all because we had to turn the battle around and use the same method that was going on and start by using the word of God. I need to really kick this up, okay? Genesis is the foundation. Uh, that's where we get off. For example, we get the first commandment. The first commandment, uh, uh, don't eat of the tree of uh, all knowledge of good and evil, or you should surely what? Die. What happened? Man disobeyed, so that's when sin entered the world. We get that from the Genesis account. The first death, what was the first death? Anybody tell me real quick? If you say Cain and Abel, it wasn't. It was before that. When, Cain, when Adam and Eve sinned, it says, you know, they were naked in it, but once they sinned, they recognized their nakedness, and they did the first hunt and say they tried to cover themselves up with camouflage, right? And God wouldn't accept that. See, we, man tried, as we tried to do today, to cover our own sin, take care of our own sin. God would not accept that. So what did God do? He killed an animal. Now, we, tradition says it was a lamb. We don't, the Bible doesn't say specifically it was a lamb, just a Jewish tradition. So he killed an animal. That was the first bloodshed. Killed that animal, sacrificed, and then that's where the first uh, mention of clothing come on. He used that clothing then to cover, cover their neckness. We also find out what the first diet was. What was the first diet in the Bible? I am not going to, I hope I'm not going to uh, uh, mess with your brain right in here, but this is not what it was, all right? Uh, it was plants, only plants, all right? Now, I have a picture of Coca-Cola over there. I'm going to get in trouble right here because I believe the end times. If Christ comes back at the end times, if he does desire a, a soda pop of some kind, when he comes in, it's not going to be a can of Coca-Cola in his hand, guys. It's going to be Pepsi, if anything. That's it, all right? Now, Texan, it could be Dr. Pepper in there, all right? But anyway, I, that, that is, that's, you will not find that in the Bible, by the way, Okay. And uh, in the beginning, we were created to eat plants. Now, at the end of the flood, God gave us permission to eat meat. But in the beginning, it was plants up there. Now, here's some good news for some of you. Some of you are shaking your head and said, this is going to be tough. All right, if you look in the background, what do you see? 
you see French fries. French fries come from what? A potato, which is what? Is a plant. And we deep fry them in oil. What kind of oil? Vegetable oil. So, ah, hallelujah. French fries are okay, right? Well, you might want to weigh that. Again, that's not the gospel. We were created to eat plants in the beginning. Also, we had the rules for marriage, one man, one wife, seven-day week. The only place we get the seven-day week was from the days of creation. Everything else is from orbiting of the planets and everything around each other. But the seven days come from the days of creation. Also, we have a need for the Savior. The first gospel message was in Genesis 3.15. Uh, look that one up, but I'm running out of time. I, Genesis is the foundation. Genesis is alluded to or quoted over 200 different times. When I say alluded to, not eluded as a, a trick or ma- magic or anything like that, alluded, alluded to in the Bible over 200 different times. Jesus quoted Genesis, uh, Genesis 25 different times as historical, actually occurring as an account, not a story, but an account. God personally wrote about Genesis in Exodus 20:11. David talked about the whole world from the beginning, again, talking about creation. Paul spoke on creation. You can look that up in Acts 17, 24. Peter believed the book of Genesis so much that he talked about the flood. The flood is a very controversial thing out there in the world today, but he Uh, wrote about it as a literal uh, historical event. The early church also believed in the creation account and used it all the time. It is the foundation, as we can say. If if you can't believe the very first books of the Bible, chapters of the Bible, how on earth do you really dig into the rest of it? Because without a foundation, where are you getting your information from? I believe it is very, very vital to understand the two are linked together. Paul tells us in Romans 5.14, talking of Adam, who is a figure of him who was to come. Uh, The word figure is the translation of the Greek word called tupos, which means type. So Adam was a type of the one who was to come, which is Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.22 tells us, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Adam introduced sin and death into this world. Christ introduced life through him into this world, eternal life. Adam was a type of Christ. You need to understand something. The two are linked together, very tightly together. And if you try, by the way, I've read a couple of denominational books out there of different denominations, and they'll say that the whole Genesis account is mythology just written to show us how to live, that Adam was not an actual man. Again, it was a story, not an account. And so they made Adam mythological. So if you do that, if you take and say Adam was a myth, then that breaks the link to Jesus. So what does that make Jesus? Does that not also turn him into a myth because the two are so tightly linked? Uh, to do indeed stand or fall together. And don't take my word for it. Right? Um, I'm going to really have to run through this one, okay? This is what an, an atheist actually had to say. Now, this is back in 1978, but the viewpoint is still in the world today. He said this. He says, Christianity is, must be totally committed to the special creation as described in Genesis. And Christianity must fight with all its full might, fair or foul, against the theory of evolution. It becomes clear now that the whole justification of Jesus' life and death is predicated, in other words, based on the existence of Adam and the forbidden fruit he and Eve ate. Without the original sin, who needs to be redeemed? Without Adam's fall into a life of constant sin, terminated by death, what purpose is there to Christianity? None. This is an atheist that said this. I agree 100% of what he says right in here. You cannot separate the two. 
It's through Adam's sin that we needed Christ. It's Christ that gave us away, away from that. In conclusion, if we reject the book of Genesis, what are we going to do with everything else that's in the New Testament that we try to say is literal? What are we going to do with that? Again, I believe you have to put them together. And by the way, Jesus believed all those. Of course, he was the creator. Now, I don't have time to go into it. I love this picture right in here. Jesus, not only our creator and savior up in here. I don't have time, but uh, I, I have some verses after this. I've had more time that shows that Jesus was, in fact, our creator. If you want to look them up for yourself, look up John 1, 1 through 3, then read on John 1, 1 through 14, that is de- declaring that Jesus is our creator. Uh, Colossians 1, 14 through 16, again, you'll find out that Jesus is our creator. In Hebrews 1, 2, read that. Again, you'll find out that Jesus is our creator. And in Ephesians 3, 8 through 9, you'll find out Jesus is our creator. Not only is it our Savior, the Bible tells us Jesus is the one that created the whole universe. He is behind our creation. Creation was very important to Jesus. And as Christians, shouldn't creation also be important to us? Should it not be our foundation? My answer is, it should be. I don't think we can walk the line, guys. We can't have one foot over here and one foot in the world out there and truly worship and follow God. It has to be one or the other. God's pretty serious about it. Very, very serious about it. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. I'm out of time, so I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to turn this over to the pastor. All right? Thank you for allowing me. By the way, the next session is going to be a little a lot lighter than this one. Uh, it's evidential stuff. I'm really going to have fun with the next one, but I think this is still important to be able to see what the world is teaching out there. So let's pray. Lord, I do thank you again for this morning that we can come and, uh, Father, I'll just worship you in music as we did this morning. Father, it just uh, recharged my uh, battery to be able to just hear the praise that was lifted to you today. Father, as we, as we uh, spent some time here looking at the worldview out there, I pray that we might help, especially the youth that are in here, Father. I pray that they might understand they are in a spiritual battle right now that as some of us older adults, it's really hard for us to understand what they're being shown in the world through all different aspects of media and the schools and everywhere out there, Father. They are in a true spiritual battle. I pray that you would help them, Father, help them in their walk. I pray, first of all, they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then, Father, then they will continue to walk in your steps and uh, continue to believe in Jesus and not be pulled apart by what the world is teaching out there. So I just lift them up to you, Father. Thank you for this time. I pray whatever we've done this morning that we've given you the glory in it. And I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you all.